Oh, good morning. I love Christmas at Camelback, because that means all of December is about Christmas here, because that's what we do. Hey, I'm totally stoked that we are, this is probably one of the largest years ever that we are doing gifts for our entire school at Camelback and for Hope Cottage, and uh, I'd encourage you to grab, uh, Karen and I actually have already taken um, 50 kids from our school, and we didn't handpick them, we just grabbed 50 of them. We are going to do 50 kids along with our Christmas shopping this year, and I am stoked. I'm going to enjoy every minute of it, and uh, um, see, I grew up, my dad started a church in New York, and, and we, we, we actually were poor. We did not have money, and um, so we lived in a, in a very challenged neighborhood, and uh, the toys that I got, uh, just get your violins out, okay? The toys that I got were all used. None of them were new. And, uh, and I remember um, getting my first bicycle uh, for Christmas, and it was a used bicycle that my parents paid $5 for, and that was a big deal. And a week later, it was stolen because we lived in New York. You know what happened, right? So uh, isn't that terrible? And uh, so it's, uh, by the way, did you hear about the guy who, who forgot to buy his wife a Christmas gift? He totally messed up, and he forgot to buy his wife a Christmas gift. She was so ticked that she said to him, there better be something in that driveway tomorrow morning that will go from zero to 100 in 60 seconds. And so the next morning, she wakes up, and she looks out in the driveway, and there's this box in the middle of the driveway. So she goes out there, and she starts opening this box. She is furious, opening this box up, and there was a bathroom scale in there. <laughs> I don't think the guy ever came back, personally. I, I, I think he was gone. I am stoked that we, we are doing these gifts, guys. Let's, let's, let's embrace it. Let's dive into it. For the entire month of December, I, I actually want to do something different. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about the Christmas story and what it means to you and what it means to me. And for the entire month, I, I, I would encourage all of us to actually invite our friends and our families because we are going to celebrate Christmas here at Camelback, and it's all going to culminate on Christmas Eve when we create an experience here that will, it will just be absolutely amazing. So we're going to take December, we're going to wrap our arms of love around our church family, around our friends, and, and we're just going to have a great time with it. And I'm going to open up the Christmas story uh, in, in, on every single Sunday and a few minutes uh, on Christmas Eve together. We're going to have a lot of music on Christmas Eve. It's just going to be a great time. For unto us a child is born. We think about the Savior Unto us this child is born. What are, those of us who are followers of Christ, he is the main thing to us. We, we, we focus on keeping the main thing. And, and what I, what I want to do in this series is actually stop and come back to, to this little word right here, us. I want to talk about us for this entire month because the Christmas story is all about us. The creator of the universe who created us. He created us so that he could have a relationship with us. 
knowing that 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 relationship would be broken and distant because it's a broken world and, and providing a way that we could have a Savior to reconnect us with. That is the Christmas story. Oh, come let us adore him. Let us adore him. That's not a statement. That's an invitation. It's an invitation for you and I. That's what Christmas is all about. We get so caught up. Somebody this morning said to me, how are you doing? And I, I wanted to say, I'm beat, man. We've been getting Christmas ready. I mean, it, it'll wear you out. And, and, and we haven't even, I haven't even started shopping. Fortunately, I don't have to do much shopping. I just have to shop for the one who does the shopping. So <laughs> it's kind of nice, but... We, we can't get worn out, but to come let us adore him. And until you and I get to the place in our lives, until we come to the place where our whole heart, where our passion, our attention, our love is, is so that we come to the place that we are adoring and loving Christ the Lord. Until we get to that place, I'm telling you, you'll always find yourself on a search for something significant. And everything else will come up short to that. Every one of us, everybody on this planet worships. We all worship. We all worship something. We, 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 we just do it. It may not be music. It may not be a song. But, but we all worship. And I looked up in Webster's Dictionary, and, and the main meaning is for, for, for worship is what you give your passion to. What's your passion in life? What are you pouring your life into? And then the question that I would ask is, well, what's, what's, what's that worship doing for you? Are you satisfied? Is it satisfying you? And, and so often in our lives, we, we pursue different things that, that, that we worship and, and we constantly go after. For some of us, it's sports, you know. We go after our favorite sports teams, Arizona Cardinals. And, 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 we, and, and we enjoy it and we get satisfaction from, from the Cardinals. But, but then, there, then comes the letdown. And if you're a Cardinals fan, you know what the letdown is like. And we all have hope because we have Larry. We have number 11. So, so there's always a glimmer of hope, you know. Maybe this year because we still have Larry. He's almost, he's almost like the Jesus in our team, you know. And so, so some of us, we wrap our hopes around sports, but they're... There is that letdown, and, and we can do it in relationships, and, and the relationship can be great, and, and then, then there's the letdown. And money, and, and our career, and, 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 and different things like fame, and, and achievement, and, and, and none of these are bad things, and God wants us to enjoy all these things. He just, he just doesn't want these things to own us. See, he doesn't want them to be the object of our worship. And this search to satisfy, this, this deep longing that's inside of us. Because humans, we're different. We're different than any other creature. We were designed and created by God with a spirit inside of us. With a, with a peace inside of us that is like God. And he 
placed it there in the Garden of Eden. It says he breathed his breath into us. In a sense, we're kind of like him in a way. We're his children. We have this spirit and soul, and, and because we have this spirit and soul, we can sense this, and, and we're aware of it. It's one of the reasons we like music, because our God is a creative God. It's one of the reasons that we use wor- wor- music in worship. But, but the reality is we're, we're the only part of creation that worships. We humans are the only ones that, you don't take a ride out in the country and you see a group of cows in a circle worshiping. It doesn't happen. It's just us. He designed us and he created us that way. And and you and I will always be in pursuit of reconnecting with that source of breath that God himself. And until you do, nothing else will really totally add up. But when you do... You will be fulfilled inside at a whole other level. Even if everything on the outside is in chaos, God has the ability to do that. With his, he, wants to, he wants to connect with us in that way. I'll crack open Matthew's story of Christmas this morning. We'll just take a, a quick look at that and In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, some of us at home, how many of you have a little nativity scene set up inside your house somewhere? Mary, Joseph, and and the sheep, and the shepherds, and how many of you have that? Yeah, a few of you. Years ago, everybody used to do it. Matter of fact, we used to see them outside of churches and homes and, and town squares, and we're seeing less of that now, and that's a whole, whole other message. I, I won't, won't even get into that, but, but, but in, in, that, in that little nativity scene were the, the three wise men, and that's who the magi is. Now, now, your nativity scene is flat out wrong, okay? The magi were not there. They didn't come till about two years later when Jesus was about one to probably two years old. That's when they came. But don't, don't go, go home and take your magi and throw them in the trash. That's okay. You can keep your nativity scene just the way. It's okay. It's not sacrilegious or anything. It's okay. You can do that. But you do need to know that those dudes were not there at that time. They probably came about two years after. And the Magi were, they were, they had their own religion. They, they were, they were like, they were, they followed the stars. Someone today that maybe follows the Zodiac and lives their life by the Zodiac would sort of be an equivalent to what the Magi were. They were, they were into sorcery. Many of them were even into witchcraft. And, and they had their God. And, the, and it says that they came from the east to Jerusalem. The east meant this region that was ancient Babylonia. In our day today, it would probably be Iran. It would be Iraq or Iran, or probably, possibly both, but, but, but certainly Iran. And I find it fascinating that in the Christmas story, God was so intentional about including the Arab world. 
He made it so clear that, that this Messiah was not just for the Jews and, and for the Gentiles, but it was for everybody. That nobody was excluded. That even as far as the, the enemies of the Jewish, most of the Arabs, they, they were always at war. Even they, this Messiah was for them. He places them. He wants everybody in the world to be saved. And what did they ask, the Magi? Look, look what it says in verse 2. And they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Now, these Magi, they, they spent... They spent tons of money, and we don't know how many there were. We, we, the, we, the three wise men is what we refer to them as. We don't know if it was three. Some, some Bible scholars think it was at least seven. We just don't know, and, and we don't know if they all came from one nation. Most Bible scholars think they came from several different nations. But what we do know is they followed a star that God specifically placed for them, and they came thousands of miles spent a lot of money, and they didn't have planes, trains, and automobiles. Great movie, by the way. If you haven't seen it, best line in the movie, those are not two pillows. <laughs> they, they came all this distance and spent a lot of money. It was a big deal. And they followed the star. We saw this star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. They heard about this king of the Jews. They came to worship him. They saw his star. Verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. All of Jerusalem was disturbed. Herod the Great. After Herod died, his kingdom was split up. Never again was there that, that level of a king there. His kingdom was split up, and it was, it was broken into three smaller kingdoms. And, and his, his, his children and others in his family, they, they, became, they became the leaders of those kingdoms. Herod the Great. The Jewish leaders, the religious Jewish leaders, liked him. They liked him because he renovated the temple. He made the temple bigger than it had ever been. And they had religious ceremonies there. And they, they had celebrations there. And, and so they liked Herod. Most of the Jews did not like Herod because he was not the rightful heir from King David. He inserted himself in the line there as a ruler. But he was not a rightful heir. And he was ruthless. He was a paranoid man. He had so many of his own family even put to death because he lived fearfully that they might take his place, that, that they might overthrow him. This, this was one of the most paranoid kings. Herod the Great was one of the most paranoid kings that ever lived. Jerusalem was disturbed. See, Herod was afraid that this king of the Jews might unify the Jewish people. And what would happen is the balance of power would We think we have issues with Democrats and Republicans. The balance of power there would totally take away his authority. 
he was unbelievably fearful. And so he turns to his chief priest in verse 4, and he, he calls them together. He says, when he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, and he, meaning Herod, asked them, where is the Messiah to be born? Where is he going to be born? How is this going to happen? You, you, those of you, his religious leaders who knew the Bible, how, how is this going to happen? And they went right to a passage in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And they, they read that passage to him in Bethlehem, in Judea. This is verse 5. They replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. The Messiah, the one that we've all been waiting for. This prophecy in Micah is one of 400 prophecies in the Old Testament. There are 400 over 400 prophecies that actually talk specifically about the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus coming at some point. And those prophecies point out the times, point out things to the time. They point out things, or the areas that it's going to happen here, not only here in Micah, but in other places. It tells the whole story. And it's not just from one prophet. Over the course of thousands of years, these prophecies were given. And God himself spoke through prophets, telling his people over and over again, I am going to send my Messiah. Verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, come and report to me so that I too may go and worship him. He didn't want to worship him. He wanted to kill him. And he was so paranoid. He was so paranoid that he had all of the children, all of the little boys in Bethlehem put to death. He killed all of the little boys in Bethlehem that were born around this time, hoping to get this king of the Jews. Herod the Great was so paranoid. And the star that they had seen. After they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen, when it rose, it went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Such a big deal. This star stops where Jesus is. It just comes right there and it stops. There's only one place that your spiritual journey can end. And that is Jesus Christ. George Herbert Walker Bush went home to be with the Lord. I've been watching Saturday morning. I watched a whole bunch uh, of, of documentary and, and stories from friends. And, 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 and I listened as so many people were interviewed. And, and they told his story. And, and he certainly was, was a, a a gentle, quiet man, and they said, as a matter of fact, his pastor and Franklin Graham both said that he had a very quiet, deep spirituality and a hope and faith 
in God in Jesus Christ. He knew where his hope lied. And in the family room, around, around, the, around the fire, in the fireplace, and the family was sitting, this was a number of years ago, and, and, and George W. Bush was, 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 was talking, and, and the discussion came up, is, is there any way to get to heaven besides Christianity? And George W. Bush said, absolutely not. The Bible's real clear about, about Jesus Christ. The only way to the Father is, is through me, Jesus said. There's, there's no other way. And, and so the discussion went around, and, and finally Barbara Bush said, you know what, I need to hear from Billy Graham on this. And so they called. The White House made some phone calls, and within 10 minutes, Billy Graham called, and, and they put him on speakerphone, and then, then this discussion went on with Billy Graham, and, and he began to lay out scripture after scripture after scripture that points to this Christ child born in Bethlehem, the son of the living God. And I've heard people, people will say to me, well, don't you, don't you think that's kind of narrow that God would only make one way that, that, that we can actually get to heaven? And, and my response is, I don't think you're looking at this clearly. He made it so simple that anybody could get to heaven. He, he, he gave us a savior that all of the religions of the world would say to us, okay, you got to do this and then do this, and, and you've got to do these things. And then you, when you get this done, then you, and then you got to do that. And, and, and then we come, to, we come to the cross and we come to Jesus Christ and it's done. And all you got to do is believe. All you got to do is believe that he is who he says he is and accept his gift of salvation, the place where the child was, the star stops. The star stops over Jesus. And we have this holiday, and we celebrate Christmas, and we have this month that we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the child, Christ. Anytime you try to get these answers in any other place, I promise you, you will come back because there's nothing else in this world that satisfies beyond the way God has given to us. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. The star stopped over Jesus. And verse 11, on coming to the house, whose house? His house. Mary and Joseph's house. Probably rented. We don't know. Doesn't matter. The star stopped over his head. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down. Underline the word bowed right there in your notes. Underline that. And if you're in your Bible, do it in your Bible. Write in your Bible. He wants you to write in your Bible. They bowed down, and they worshiped. Underline worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures, and they presented him with gifts. Underline the word gifts. They presented him with the gifts of milk turkey and a snowman. I, I, some things I just can't resist. They, they presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is something you give to royalty. Incense is something you give to deity. Myrrh is a spice that is used at a burial. 
He came in the form of a baby, but he came to die on a cross. See, in our lives, there's always something competing for our worship. Always. There's always a Herod. There's, there's always something. There's something in your story and in my story trying to keep me from being a worshiper of God. Always. And the enemy will try anything. We think he slips into this red jumpsuit and grabs his pitchfork and he's got a long tail with a point at the end of it and these two horns pop out of his head. He, he doesn't have a red jumpsuit. He dresses up in everything that you think you want. And he dresses up in everything that I think I want. Because that's what he does. Because he has a goal. And the goal is really simple. is to lure you and I away from God. And if he gets you away from worshiping God, he wins. If he gets me away from worshiping God, he wins. No red jumpsuit, doesn't need it. There's always a Herod trying to stop you. But there's good news because there is always a star trying to draw you. And God himself knows and he sees this dynamic in place. And the very heart of God is always pursuing never stopping in pursuing because he loves us because what he wants is relationship restored and he does creative things the magi they were worshiping stars what does he do he gives them a star follow the star and he does the same thing with you and I. He, he, he knows what's important to us. He, he knows when we, we're going through a difficult time in life. He, he, he knows that. It's a, and for, I don't know how long the pursuit would be for you or has been for you. But, but the reality is we know that he's pursuing us. He uses things like music. He's a creative God. Music is a part of our worship because it's a big deal to a creative God. He'll speak in any way that he wants to, to connect with us. My prayer this morning is, is that he's connecting with some of us. Whether this is the first time you're hearing about him or, or maybe you've heard this story so many times or maybe you've been a follower of Christ for a long time and, and you just keep living distant from him. This is the Christmas story. And he will do just about anything. And my challenge to you is let him. The cool thing about Christmas is you get to decide. 
And I get to decide. Am, 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 am I going to embrace it and dive in? And I, I love challenging people. Get, give God a year. Give us a year here at Camelback. Join, join in with this family. Let us wrap our arms around of love around you. Let, let us, let's join together. Let's give. Most of us know we have wasted so many years in the past. Stepping into 2019 and saying, I'm going to give God this year and watch what he does. Here's what I know. You'll come to the end of the year and you will be blown away by what God does in you, through you, and to you. Because that's what he does. And we would do the year our way. He will do the year his way. I wonder what the Vegas odds would be on you or God. That's my challenge. We get to decide. It, 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 it's, it's fabulous. So, so, okay, James, what do you do? You do the same things that the, 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 the wise men did. Do the same things that the, the magi did. You underlined them a few minutes ago. The first thing they did was they bowed down. See, they gave up worshiping their God and began worshiping the one true God. And they, and they begin to adore Christ the Lord. See, there's a reason that all the Christmas cards that we sent out for years have, have certain words on top of them. and Hope, peace. Joy. There's one of those Christmas cards that I'm going to talk about one of the Sundays that we've sent out for years. It has nothing to do with what God said. And I'll, let's see if you can figure it out. But I'll talk about that one in a couple of Sundays. See, bowing down and worshiping. They adored this Christ child. Christmas is more than a holiday. This is, this is more than a, than a religion on a Sunday that we kind of we walk our way through. It's more than a topic in the Bible that we talk about and feel like re, we reserve, resolve. It's, it's actually true worship. It's actually honoring Christ for who he really is. That's all it really is. Worship is honoring Christ for who he really is. He's the son of God. So they bowed, and the second thing they did was they gave. They were all in. They gave everything. They, they gave things that were valuable to them. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh were valuable to them. They, they just were all in. And the third thing they did was they returned. Matter of fact, if you look at verse 14, it says, having been warned in a dream, I, I wish I could dive into that, but I just don't have time. But having been warned into a dream not to go back to, to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. They, they returned, and, and, and they returned with a different perspective. And, and, and if you're into theology, you would look at me this morning and say, wait a minute, James, that's not what that verse says. You're taking it out of context. And my response to you would be, yes, I am. So what? 
Because the truth of the matter is, they returned to their country by another route. So they did return home. And let me tell you something. When you have been with Jesus, and then you return home, you are a different person than you were when you came to Jesus. Because you can't possibly be with Jesus and not be changed. He cha it's the this, this story is the same for you and I as it is for the wise men. The creator of the universe gave us this story. He wrote this. This is what happened in history. And for thousands of years, he has preserved this so that you and, I, you and I would sit here this morning and we would be able to hear this. Because the same results for the wise men and the, the magi, the same results they got is what he desires to do in each one of our lives. Because that's who he is and that's what he does. He's the son of God. And worshiping him is simply recognizing who he is and acknowledging who he is. See, the wise men returned. But boy, I'm telling you, they returned very different people than when they went. Because what they did is they stopped worshiping their God, and they began to worship the one true God. I grew up in a pastor's home. Heard this stuff all my life. Simplistic in my thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm not a brilliant guy. But I grew up hearing the gospel over and over and over again. And I grew up in a church where, where people came in, and it wasn't a very large church, but, but things happened, and, and they met Christ. And whatever the situation, they came to the place where they put their faith and trust in Christ. And, and from that point on, he began to change their lives. At the age that I'm at now, I'm, I'm, it, is, it is fascinating to me that people can hear this story and hear about all, the, you can study and hear about all the different religions there are and, 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 hear, and hear what they believe and, 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 and I've read some of them and I got to tell you, I, I, it boggles my mind what some people believe. But I find it difficult to hear this story and understand that for thousands of years, and, and you can read it yourself, the prophets have told about when this time would come. And, and, and over and over again, we were told, for thousands of years, God told his children, I'm sending a Messiah. And, and we have that Messiah. And all we have to do is believe him. When so many of the religions of the world would say, you got to do this, and then when you, and you or you got to do this, and then another religion will say, well, but you have to go through this process, and you have to, and when we come, and we open up the New Testament, and we read through the Gospels, Jesus has done everything. And all he wants from you and I is to believe. 
and do what the Magi did. Bow down and worship. Be all in. And when you return to your friends, your family, your neighborhoods, your nation, you are a different person. Oh, I'm looking forward to this entire month, guys. It's going to be Christmas all month long. And we're going to talk about that little baby who didn't quite make it to a five-star hotel. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want to give you the opportunity tonight. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to come forward. You can if you want to. Our prayer team is up here. We'd love to pray with you afterwards. But you accept Christ as your Savior by simply believing that He is who He said He was and who the prophets said He was. Stand together. Let's pray. I want to do a song with you guys in closing. And right during this, this time in prayer, you can say, God, I believe. And that makes you my brother and my sister or my sister spiritually. That makes you a part of our family. That makes you a part of his family. That nails down your home address in heaven when you leave this planet and you're gonna leave this planet. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your mercy, for your kindness, for your willingness to do whatever it takes to save us. Bless our church family this morning. Bless those who, who, who give their lives to you this morning, who accept you as their personal Savior. If that's you, share it with somebody today. Lord, bless us as we continue to worship you. Bless us as we leave here. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen.